Guys, this video is sponsored by Trojan Magnum. Hit the link in the description below. Chop on. Gotta wait for it to start, Joey. Uh, ready? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome to The Long Two, hosted by the legendary Slender Dan and his trusty sidekick, Big Ty. We have Talal Pep back with us, and we have a very, very special guest. Uh, you know what? This guest needs no introductions. I'm going to let him introduce himself. What's up, Joey? Guys, what's up? Joey Abdella. Glad to be on the podcast. Big fan. Uh, you know, we've had Taysir and Danny uh, calling to my show, the Rush Hour Roundup, uh, over here in Tennessee. Uh, great guys, always love their insight on all sports, and uh, it's a pleasure to, you know, make my debut on your guys' show. Yeah, so this game was a really, really great game, especially down the stretch. That fourth quarter was amazing. Like, guys, we got a game six, came down to the wire. It was 77-77, I believe, and just – you know, one thing I'm just going to remember this game is just going to be this historic 51-point performance by Giannis. His free-throw shooting was amazing today. He kept – he was just so controlled, like so much better at home than away on free throws. And what was his final box score on free throws? Um, 17 of 19. Like that is amazing, especially for a guy that mentally struggled. So legendary game by Giannis. I'd love to get some of your thoughts on this game as well. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say, and I'm, you know, the, I was actually having a conversation with Talal like three weeks ago or two weeks ago when they were playing the Hawks. And I was like, you know, mentally Giannis, you know, he's just not there yet. But I think now, cause you brought up the mental thing after the whole knee and then seeing what transpired now, obviously Hostage of the moment, but I don't care. I think I'm done with all the uh, mental questions about Giannis, man. What a performance by him. I think he actually ended with 50 points, exactly right. Dropping a cool 50 piece. The, the free throw piece was insane, like uh, indescribable. We always talk about numbers and, uh, you know, making the numbers make sense. That number doesn't make sense. What is that, uh, like 93% or 90%? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like so, fifty points, fourteen rebounds, two assists, um, five big impact blocks. I think every time he had a block in this game, it was just felt like a huge block. There was a, I think with eight forty left in the fourth quarter, there was this possession where Giannis had the block, goes all the way out at the other end, gets the rebound, the putback, absolute monster game by Giannis. Joey, what do you think? Yeah, man, absolute a game of uh. Heads and tails, if you want to say it. You know, obviously the Bucks dominated the first quarter. Uh, and then Phoenix outscored Milwaukee 31-13 to in the second quarter. The momentum was completely shifted. Uh, after that, it was all square at the end of the third quarter. And, yes, Giannis dropped 50 points. He's well-deserved to be uh, the finals MVP. Uh, kudos to him. But, really, it's the team effort while Milwaukee won this game. Drew Holiday, just like in the previous game, made some amazing plays. Chris Middleton, Mr. Clutch, I'll tell you, you know, they always say Chris Middleton is, is Batman and Giannis is Robin kind of in a joking way. But uh, Chris Middleton played amazing. Uh, Brooke Lopez, I don't think he's played this good since he played at Arizona maybe. Uh, but just so many stories you could talk about. P.J. Tucker getting acquired in the midseason. Uh, what a pickup he was. Even Connaughton, who I'm not a fan of, you know, he did what he had to do. 
overall, the entire Bucks team are more prepared. They were better coached. And uh, Phoenix losing four consecutive games. It comes down to mentality and coaching. That was a lot. That was a that was a damn that was a damning little tirade by Joey there. What do you think, Falal? What do you think about the Suns? Well, first I gotta say, for those who don't know, me and Joey go way back. I'm talking BFFs, talking childhood best friends, MySpace top one type shit. But uh, it was a tough game, man. I think in conclusion, Giannis was playing against a JV team. That's what it looked like, and the whistle kept it that way. And I'm gonna. Be bitter. I'm going to sound, you know, as a CP3 fan, hurt, obviously. But uh, I really didn't like how the whistle was blown um, this game. Not to say that the, that they weren't fouls, but it's game six of the freaking finals. You're making calls you wouldn't make in the regular season. So uh, Giannis is just unbelievable. I, I literally, you, you can't be mad for losing to that kind of performance. But the way the whistle was blown today, it was ridiculous. Well, fun fact, just to throw in here, Scott Foster, I believe his name was, Chris Paul has lost 13 consecutive playoff games by this referee. So there's a stat for you. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so yeah. Question, about, question about the stat, actually. Is it 0 of 13 total, or is it just 13? 1 in 13, but he's lost his last 13. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. That's insane. But I think I thought the refereeing, just from a neutral standpoint, though I was rooting for the Suns, uh, in this series, I actually picked Suns to win this in six. Uh, you know, where I really got to give it to it was I thought it was a fairly called game, uh, in all honesty. There's a couple of missed calls, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's there's human error. Even, you know, as we are all big soccer guys, we watch VAR. Even with that, we've seen that it's hard to even come to conclusion. But I don't think anyone can say that a call blew this game. But it is unfortunate because, you know, I wanted more desire from Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I had to look at the stats, but barely attempting any threes. They never found their rhythm. At the end of the day, it looked like Bridges and Aiton were really the ones carrying the team. Of course, Chris Paul had a great mid-range, and he got hot for a little bit, but they never found that three-point land. And if you can't shoot threes against the Bucks, you're not going to win. Yeah. Talal, what do you think about CP3's performance tonight? Uh, I thought it was okay. I thought, uh, you know, I didn't – I. He did enough this game. This game came down to DeAndre Aiden absolutely not being – he was MIA. He, he played awful. Um, like, I, I, I can't even explain how bad he played. So I'm going to read the stats out loud real quick. He had six rebounds. He had five personal fouls, 12 points, and he shot four of 12. Frank Kaminsky played a better game, literally. I mean, in my opinion – when you look at the minutes, Frank Kaminsky made more of an impact today than DeAndre Aiden. And to me, it was hands down the reason this game was lost. And you can also attest it to, like you said, Joey, uh, three-point shooting, non-existent. CP made one. D-Book shot zero of seven from three. Zero seven. So the Suns team can't win that way. But, um, yeah, DeAndre Aiden, a heartbreaking performance. He literally broke my heart with that performance. And if you take it way back, you know, last year in the bubble – you know, the Suns winning 10 games, everyone was getting hype around them. You know, besides the Utah Jazz, who I would argue the Suns were still the better team. You know, the Suns, you know, they were a two seed. They had to play the Lakers, who were a seven seed. You know, they had they had the work cut out for them. They had to beat both L.A. market teams. They had to beat the Lakers and the Clippers. And even though they were a two seed, a lot of people still viewed them as an underdog. So, I mean, they went a long way. Monty Williams did a great job with the Suns. But, you know, the only thing that bothered me, and I was talking uh, to who I was watching the game with about it, 
you know, you almost have to like sell these games and sell these game sevens like a WWE or UFC. I mean, there was just not, I mean, there was one moment where Chris Paul kind of got in, uh, trying to remember whose face, I think it was Bobby Porter. You got to have all those moments. They, they never put the pressure on Milwaukee besides the second quarter. There wasn't enough anger, not in a bad way. Anger is not good. There wasn't enough passion shut on the court that it was played to me like a regular season game. From the Suns' point of view. I From the Suns' point of view. Yeah, speaking of Devin Booker's performance, kind of nullified, never really seemed comfortable. I know he got to his spot a few times, hit that mid-range, but he never seemed to really get into the flow of things. And speaking of, I know Drew Holiday was his uh, primary defender, and of course he did a, a solid job against it today. But what stood out to me down the stretch, like, in the, in the fourth quarter, like with 11 minutes left, 10 minutes left, there was a stretch where Chris Middleton was just D-ing D-book up. And it was really insane. And it, it kind of was has been a recurring theme we've seen in this playoffs with the Bucks, their intensity on defense. It really, really came through today as well. Multiple people, multiple defenders. Bobby Portis, shout out Bobby Portis. Man. What a performance by the Bucks! And to think that at one point, literally a week ago, I said Suns in five. That is insane. That is insane. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to talk about, um, looking at, um, you know, next, like what's next for the Suns, I kind of feel like this was their chance. Like this was, they had a title window and this kind of was their title window and it might have been shut. That might be a little too premature to say right now, but you think about like the title windows, like think about the Warriors, you know, their title window was a lot shorter than we ever thought. And, you know, the way the league is now where the top players move everywhere, like to different teams, you got to think like, you know, just the Suns last chance, you know, at the title, is this their title window? Is the real question, the know? real question is, do you, uh, you know, like you're bringing Chris Paul back? You're well, take Paul's a look at this just back. to answer Danny's question. I'll chime in real quick. You know, the Suns were undefeated in the playoffs when Chris Paul wasn't playing. So, uh, I mean, yes and no. Is Chris Paul's title chance probably over? Probably. Chris Paul will likely never win an NBA championship. But this Suns team is really young. I mean, you got guys like Cam Johnson, if you can secure him. Uh, you got guys like Devin Booker. And you got a good coach. I mean, you could sign a really big yeah. free agent now because you have the market uh, after having a better team. So, I mean, for, for the whole Suns, no. For Chris Paul, probably yes. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because, and I'll let you come in real quick, Ty, but the reason why I say this is because you got the Lakers are going to be back, the Warriors are going to be back, the Pelicans are probably going to be better, the Mavs have Luka, the Clippers will be in the playoff running. Like, you know, it's just going to be, it's still going to be a very deep West full of teams out there that are, you know, going to go, going to go out there for contention. Yeah, I mean, it's the West, man, and that's how it is. It's not just in the West, in the East, too, man. Special year in terms of the Nets, their big three being hobbled, Katie's foot being too big. It's the NBA playoffs, man. You come to play, breaks fall certain ways, and you got to capitalize. And the Bucks, they capitalize. And like you said, this does seem to be Chris Paul's chance, and it seems to have passed him by. But the question here that I really want answered is just, what happens with Chris Paul? Like, of course, the Suns try to retain him, right? Do they break the bank for him when the Knicks come in with a godfather offer? What What happens? What do you guys see happening? Let's start with Talal here. I'm really curious. 
Well, I think I, I have to go back and look at his contract. I think he has a player option still for another. Yeah, $44 million player option that he's expected to decline to get like a longer deal. Yeah, so so I'm not entirely sure which direction he goes. I, I think if the money makes sense for him, I know CP's going to put his family first, and no matter how much money you have, I think he's going to prioritize that first. And then like that is 1A, and then 1B being what's his best chance at another title. But the guy's about to be 37. And I, I do want to kind of go back to like actually talking about the game in a second. But I think maybe we can see him in a Lakers jersey, which, by the way, would mean Dame Lillard won't go there. But I don't think the Lakers want that, and, and rightfully so. You know, you have a guy in his prime and a guy not in his prime. Are you ready to put on the Lakers jersey tall or a Knicks jersey if that need be? You know, man, it's funny. Um, and by this loss – didn't hurt as much as the ones when the Rockets lost to the Warriors, probably because I don't actually have any attachment to the Suns versus living in, in Houston. So I don't know. I feel like I've outgrown the whole, like, it's a, it's a weird circle. You know, for me, it's poetic. But CP's the reason I'm wa- I watch basketball. CP's the reason I watch over 40 games a season, all from that one team, you know, and every playoff game. But I feel like this is a concluding day for that whole like story. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I agree with Joey again. I cannot see Chris Paul even having the motivation to put in the work that he's put in for 16, 17 years. Yeah, and just to you know put it from my perspective, from a neutral who does like Chris Paul, but is obviously I'm an Atlanta Hawks fan through thick and thin. And, you know, I remember being at an Atlanta Hawks game years and years back, and, you know, Talal was there for the Clippers because Chris Paul was there. I think you took your brothers or something because I remember seeing you post on Instagram over yeah. at, in Atlanta. But I was at that game supporting the Hawks. But, you know, when it comes down to watching a team lose that you love, hey, I'm a Tottenham, Tennessee volunteer, and Atlanta Falcon fan. <laughs> so if there's anything when it comes down to losing, it's really taught me good leadership and good character uh, in a loss. So, you know, yeah. Chris Paul, he's a really good guy. And I, I'll say that he's not just a good basketball player. He's a really good guy. And obviously, you know, in Hollywood, there's a lot of fakeness. But you can just really see the genuine, uh, you know, love that comes from Chris Paul and, and how he motivates. And you know what? Without Chris Paul, this Suns team would not have been brought to the next level. You can put it on Monty Williams. You can put it on the ownership. Yes, they have great general managers down there in Phoenix. But Chris Paul really pushed this team to the next level. And they really there were stories they were talking about that Chris Paul and Devin Booker did not get along the first couple of weeks because they were both wanting to take it in different directions. But – you know, when you put two great guards like that in the starting lineup, that's what happens. You you make an NBA final. So I'd love to see CP3 come back. I think $44 million is, you know, probably the best offer he'll get at 37. I mean, he might be able to – if you go to New York, you're not getting a ring. It's a sixth seed at best with the first-round exit in the playoffs. Uh, I don't see Chris Paul, Randall, uh, and these guys really doing anything uh, besides speaking losing of, in the first round. Speaking of those two special guards that you speak of, one thing that we – you know in these last few games down the stretch and that's when you really see what what's what you know like during the fourth quarter seven minutes left around that time the Suns were just going one-on-one it was just D-Book and Chris Paul crossing over a few times like I mentioned getting locked up but uh they did they run any offense in the fourth quarter to all did they run plays I didn't see them honestly no, I mean, let, let's start with the adjustments that were made to even put them in a good position. Even though they got to a bad start, Milwaukee was up, what was it, 15 points. The biggest adjustment that I saw was, of course, defense. Last game against Milwaukee, it wasn't the offense that lost them game five. 
it was the defense, right? And the biggest adjustment that we spoke about last game was you saw what Chris Paul moving to P.J. Tucker and Mikel Bridges moving to Drew Holiday, and it worked, right? It worked throughout the game's progression. It worked more and more and more. And on the offensive side, they were running this, like, double pick and roll, uh, and they call it a double drag, I guess, and it was working. It was working. It was working. And then they stopped doing it in the fourth quarter, and they started playing iso ball. I'm going to summarize it with this. I want your guys' thoughts on it. To me, the title of this is essentially prime versus not prime. The Milwaukee Bucks trio in their prime. This season for the Milwaukee Bucks, the performances, this was a prime performance. And then you look at the Suns. The players are not in their prime. Two of them going into their prime, one of them out of their prime. And they did not have a prime performance. And that's the story of this finals. Yeah, that's well said, Talal. Uh, These guys definitely are in their prime, and they will be in their prime for a few years here to come. Uh, It's crazy how quickly the narrative can flip. But we got the, you know, we got the big three in Brooklyn. We got Philly doing what they're doing. We got Atlanta on the rise with Trey. These Bucks moving forward, they they look pretty scary, right? Yeah, yeah, and to touch on it there, you know, take a look at Giannis. I mean, coming off from hyperextended knee, this was a regular season. There's no way we see him for at least a month come back. So you got to put in perspective, too, to be able to have as many good games as he had in this series coming off that hyperextended knee. I mean, he just dropped 50 points on a really good Phoenix Suns team. So, I mean, you got to respect Giannis for just really wanting to be on that court. And, you know, I won't call out names, but there's a lot of other NBA players who you know, maybe wouldn't have got back as soon as Giannis did. So uh, great job to him and the Bucks for being able to find a rhythm and get back in there. But, you know, the trio played great. I think Chris Middleton, especially the Hawks series, if you take it back even before this game, unbelievable. Chris Middleton just absolutely, they call him the Olympian for a reason. And he was very, very – this was not his best game that he's ever had, but it was a good enough game. And when Giannis drops 50, I mean, you don't have to do that much uh, compared to what he usually has to do. Well, it's timely shot making, right? That's what you need from your big players. You don't need great games. When you have a well-rounded team, and beyond just a, a big three, you have a well-rounded team, a well-coached team, a team capable of making it to the finals. You don't need all of your big-time players having big-time games. But what you do need is big-time shots, and Chris Middleton did that. So did Drew. Yeah. I also want to talk about the bigs. Um, so, Brook Lopez and Bobby Portis today. You cannibalized their production, 26 points, 11 rebounds, basically 25 and 10. If they can both give you that against the Phoenix Suns, and I was kind of wrong. I was In the beginning, first two games, we were talking about how they need to go small. Bud listened to us and said, you guys are dumbasses. I'm going to do the exact opposite. <laughs> so they really leaned into the, um, the, the two bigs, which um, really helped them out on the rebounds. And in the offensive rebounds in particular, because those offensive rebounds came in clutch, as you saw today. Yeah, I think Portis is. Uh, I don't know if that was necessarily the the plan, Danny. As much as it was, Bobby Portis just ha- being so impactful in this game as well. You know, Brook Lopez to me was, eh, you know, he, he did enough. Definitely during certain times where you thought the Suns were getting away from it, he made again timely freaking shots. It was really upsetting to watch on my end. But um, I don't know. At the end of the day, what do you guys think was the X factor? We'll go through each of you, maybe starting with Joey. What was the X factor for this game in particular besides the clear 50-point performance by Giannis? Yeah, here, 
Go ahead. Go ahead, Danny. No, no I was going to say, like, the one that comes – and I was going to give you time to think about this, but the one that comes out from the top of my head was those blocks. Um, They just – like, each block just felt, like, so important. Like, sometimes you'll see a player comes up in the box scores, oh, like, they had five blocks, like, really – but, like, every single block that Giannis had was just so impactful. And on the other end, you know, those blocks turned into points for the Bucks. So, that's, to me, like, the one stat that stands out to me. Giannis, five blocks. Mm-hmm. If you had to ask me, just I think there's probably three things that really stood out. Uh, I'll start, and I, we're not going to include the paint because obviously that's just not fair when you're talking about the way the Bucks play. Uh, but when when it starts out, uh, one, I'm going to say the fans. You know, if you were to ask me, I mean, you just look at the outside of the stadium. You ain't going to have that in Phoenix. The Milwaukee fans were loud. They were the better fans in this series overall. The Phoenix fans were great. I mean, just look at the Suns and Four guy. That guy's awesome. But Milwaukee's fans, I don't know if there was a louder NBA. Uh, city in the country during a finals during what Milwaukee did. Um, just absolutely incredible. The fans were a factor. But also, it has to be on the court, too. Um, and like I said, we're not going to talk about the paint, but we got to talk about the aggressiveness of the Suns' offense. They were so aggressive in the second quarter. I really feel like uh, they were the team playing with the pressure on their back. I guess you felt like it would have been Milwaukee, considering the fact that they're at home and they have to win for the title. And the Suns, you know, they're kind of playing as the, well, we're already on the road here. If we win this game, we get a game seven at home. I thought the pressure would have been more on Milwaukee, but I felt like they were more composed and they stuck to their game plan. The Suns didn't play traditional Suns basketball today. Besides the exception of the second quarter, I really felt like the Suns are such a threat from three. We already talked about that. But also, they just weren't as aggressive in the basket, hence why Giannis was so good on the free throws, which has got to be my third one. I mean, Giannis going 17 for 19 from the line. Um, and if you just look at the stats from the other uh, playoff games and other series as well, that was incredible there because if you if, let's say he would have missed seven free throws, not saying he would, but that would have been a one possession game. So the free throw shooting also helped secure the bag for Milwaukee in this series. To me, uh, I'll, I'll say my bit. I, I think no question it was the free throws. That was the X factor in this game. When you look at the when you look at the stats, when you look at the field goals made, essentially identical. Uh, shooting percentage identical. Uh, three point shooting identical. All the way through, it was identical. The, the big factor was free throws. And I can bitch and complain and say that it was the referee's whistle and yada, 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 which I think partly did impact this game. But at the end of the day, uh, DeAndre Aiden didn't man up guarding uh, Giannis. You, you heard the commentators say it. They're like, Why isn't DeAndre squaring up? Why is he giving him a shoulder? Why is he moving? You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know what was up with him. Maybe you can blame it on fatigue. Maybe you can blame it on him being 23. Whatever it is. Uh, that was the X factor for me. Yeah, and just for me to not to hop back in, but to hop back in, you know, I feel like to put anything on DeAndre in this game, it's tough, especially when no one can really guard Giannis. Could he have done better? Yes. But it was a single-digit uh, loss. It was not a blowout game. So Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they couldn't play in the big moment. Uh, and honestly, Milwaukee wanted it more. Every single player had so much more passion on that court. Uh, if you want to be honest, because I was going for the Suns too, they just they, – they didn't want to be – I mean, they wanted to be there, but, man, they didn't show it. Yeah, my X factor for the game, and just what stood out to me, I've touched on it a few times, is just D-Book down the stretch was nullified. Uh, good job there by Drew Holiday. And, of course, as I mentioned, Chris Middleton. That was just – as we saw, Book dropped 40 points, 45 points, and, you know, they lost, so – they're definitely not going to win with him scoring 19. Yeah, and um, we're also talking about Aiton's defense, Talal. You said he played soft. I, 
made the point earlier, and I thought you could really see that in this game today, but he was, you know, he was trying not to foul out this game. So his defense wasn't, like, super aggressive, as you would expect to, you know, guard somebody like Giannis and be successful. Well, here's the thing. The way you get – so, first of all, he did get in foul trouble, and he got in foul trouble by not being aggressive. Because here's the thing. When you play sports, and any sports, and one person is aggressive and the other one isn't, Fouls will happen. So, for example, if someone on defense is playing ultra-aggressive and the other person is not, then you're going to foul on defense. In this case, it was Giannis playing extremely aggressive, forcing fouls by a guy not matching his aggression. And the, the quick fix is just, you got to move your feet, man. you got to move your feet and you got to position the right way. And Jay Crowder tried his absolute best to help out. At one point, they literally went to Frank Kaminsky. I mean, that's how bad DeAndre Aiden was playing. And it wasn't just because of foul trouble. I promise you that. So I want to talk about Giannis and his legacy and what this means going forward for them. Like we said, we mentioned at the top of the show, um, 50 points, 14 rebounds, two assists. Absolutely iconic performance today that we're, you know, never really going to forget. What is... I really feel like he figured out like the mental aspect of the game, which was always missing with him. You could always tell in those tight moments when I got when the game was close, he was ever really able to figure it out. But these playoffs, he was able to figure it out and become one of those very, very special players like a LeBron, like a Kawhi, like those guys that can affect the game on both sides. What do you guys think about Giannis's and like his legacy right now? Is he like one of those top top players? Yeah, I'll go in on this one. You know, uh, I feel like Giannis has put himself as the best, you know, big man uh, in the NBA. And, you know, the cool thing about Giannis is obviously there's guys like Luka Doncic out there who's kind of like the next LeBron James. You had to say that comparison. But Giannis can really do it all. Uh, I mean, he he can kind of play every position with his size. He's not the greatest three-point shooter, but he's not the worst. And obviously his free throws, at least in this game when it mattered, hit. I mean, he's almost unstoppable in the paint. You can see his blocks just in this series. Great defense. Hey, Giannis is everything. And I don't know if you all saw that picture they showed during the game of Giannis in 2013 versus Giannis in 2021. That boy gained some muscle. He's unstoppable. He really cares about the game. And I think it's just a great story, you know, uh, being of Nigerian descent, living in Greece, you know, not having the luxuries in life and coming over to the United States and, you know, dropping 50 points in the NBA final, winning MVP is kind of the American dream, you know, of why you come to the country and do stuff. So, hey, stellar performance. Uh, it's not going to be his last title for sure. Uh, this Bucks team is going to stick together with a good coaching staff. And, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were back here next year. 100%. Yeah. You, look, if, if you're not happy for Giannis, you got to look in the mirror because what an amazing all-star for the league. What, a, what an amazing face of the franchise right now. Uh, completely deserved. You know he puts in the work. Uh, at one point, I joked, and I'm still not 100% sure, the type of freakish athleticism he showcased in in these finals particularly, but really in the entire playoffs, especially after his hyperextended knee, can almost only be explained by the use of steroids. Like, I'm not even joking. That's how phenomenal it was. And, of course, you don't get away with that in, in the NBA, so we know it isn't anything like that. But that's a testament to his work ethic, and it, it's... Nobody deserves this more than Giannis, honestly, other than maybe CP3, but that's done and dusted. Why didn't CP3 drop 50? CP3's 37. Didn't he have a chance at 26 to make the final? Uh, He probably – he had a lot of chances, you know, but um, nonetheless, uh, 
Uh, I'm, I'm just trolling, man. Yeah. I know you're upset by this. Yeah. I, shouldn't even, I shouldn't mess with you right now. Uh, wait, but so, I will say, a lot of good players haven't won titles. I mean, you have Charles Barkley's, Allen Iverson's. I mean, there's been a lot of good players, you know, not get a ring. And, you know, it's heartbreaking. I was really pulling for the Suns big time. I, I like Chris Paul. To me, Chris Paul's almost like a soccer player on a basketball court. He's almost like that creative midfielder, you know? Yeah. He just can, like, set up opportunities. Absolutely. So, uh, so I want to ask, like, what do you guys think this means for, like, team building? Because this wasn't necessarily a team of the super team era. It's kind of like a guy with, a, you know, one of the marquee players in the league and a few, I guess, a borderline all-star in Chris Middleton. Like, really haven't seen this in the past, um, like, five to ten years. It's been the super team era. Like, what do you guys think this means for team building? Like, what what, what does this mean? Like, what, what are we going to do here? Because I think this is a really good uh, story for the league to have a team, you know, small market team come this way, build organically. Like, their two main guys, Giannis and Middleton, have been there from the start, you know, compared to, like, a lot of these teams that make it in the playoffs full of contract con- contractors, basically, who just want to play with the best players. Well, you know what's inevitable about winning championship is that people will overpay for your players because it's in the moment. You know, uh, just like if a good soccer player has a good World Cup, all of a sudden they're worth $100 million or whatever. So when I take a look at this team, like look at Matthew Della Dadova. You know, the year in the finals with the Cavaliers, he signed a deal for over $30 million. Matthew Della Dadova is not a $30 million player. So a lot of people, they all, all are about loyalty until the money comes into factor. So a lot of these players, and I don't know the free agent situations on all these players, but if another team's willing to double a salary or be able to create cap space for them, um, they're probably going to go. They got the ring already, and now they got to think about their families too. So that's one thing about a salary cap. You know, if someone's willing to pay these guys, we'll just have to see. But Golden State's an example of someone who's been able to do it so dang well of keeping all these guys together. And a lot of times some players will even take pay cuts uh, just like Tom Brady did in the NFL for several years to win Super Bowl. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, the ne- I think the next – so the key core guys, Middleton, Drew, and Giannis, they're locked up for the next foreseeable future. So their team's together. Well, East is going to be interesting. So you got the Nets, you got the Bucks, you got the Hawks that are rising. Rise up. Who else am I missing? You got the Heat. Are the Heat really, though? I mean, the, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Or there, yeah, and the Celtics as well. Like they're still. A it's, good team. it's not. Yeah, it's interesting because it's always easy to say uh, whenever a team loses or wins or whatever. Oh yeah, they'll be back here. But in order for anybody to get to the NBA Finals, a lot of stuff has to fall right. So Brooklyn will be back. You know, Boston will be back. The Sixers will be back in some kind of iteration with or without Ben Simmons so it'll definitely be interesting moving forward the Bucks have done something different when it comes to team building and winning a championship but let's not let's not act like this is the end of the super team era just because they won this way a lot had to fall their way to make it happen well look at the Raptors they run they won just a couple years ago with I mean yeah they had Kawhi Leonard but you can't dare call that Raptors team a, a, a super team so it happens sometimes you win sometimes you win Sometimes you lose. I think in the words of Big Sean, you win some, you lose some. That's just that's just kind of really uh, how it goes uh, in, in that retrospect. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So this I love to do this like right after the finals. Like who do you guys who who are the favorites on each conference? Um, just give me two favorites just to look at. Maybe even like a dark. Nets race. Nets are gonna win. Like Nets are gonna be the champions next year, guaranteed. You know, oh, we'll keep going. I know we're gonna go two apiece. So who are your who would your other? Four I don't be? need another one. I'll go with the Nets. Well, Nets I mean, just because so you moved to New York and you want to be this Hawks fan, man. I know you're a closet Nets fan. It's nah, all good, I baby. Mean, and like the Hawks will, the Hawks will be there. Our time's not. Our time's I don't know. Hey, yeah. we we have to see how the Hawks are going to play next year. I mean, was it a good playoff run, or is this really in their DNA? I think it's in their DNA, but I can't wait to see what they build on. I think Trey Young and Damian Lillard in the backcourt together next year is going to be real interesting. <laughs> Why? I think the Warriors are going to be really interesting next year if they get Clay back and the Warriors make an offseason move. Uh, maybe look at trading. They're in talks for Siakam, maybe trading Wiseman and um, their pick for Siakam. That would be interesting. I don't know if it really helps them, but I think the Warriors, if they do something interesting this offseason, they could be a really good team to watch for next year. Man, Clay Thompson being healthy just shows you how much, like Steph Curry, and we can't really count the year before this year because of how injured he was, but he's not even a playoff team without Clay Thompson. So yeah. that's something you really got to look at is how important Clay is. And I'm a huge Clay Thompson fan. I've kind of been drinking his Kool-Aid for a long time. Just look what happened against the Raptors when he went out. Steph can't win it. He hasn't made the playoffs in a couple of years. And, of course, he was injured heavily, so it's hard to judge him on that first year. But I think with Clay Thompson healthy, and if they do get Pascal Siakam, who is a really good big, I think the Warriors would be one of the better teams in the West who I'd still have to call him a dark horse just because they would be rebuilding and it's tough to always win in your first year. Uh, but other than that, you know, if you had to give me uh, someone who you would say, because I, I don't want to be generic when I say it, but if there was to be a dark horse when I look in the West, you know, if Kawhi can stay healthy, and it's, you can't really call the Clippers a dark horse. He's, 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 so he's going to be out like the majority of next year because he got ACL surgery. So if you're like including Kawhi in the regular season next year, don't do that. Yeah, though that's why I would say them as a dark horse. Like if they were able yeah, to be okay. above 500 and then Kawhi comes back healthy – this Clippers team probably should have went to the conference finals if it wasn't the Suns. Um, and I know they played in the conference the NBA finals. Yeah, they should have gone, to, you know, if it wasn't the, the Suns. And I'll tell you, the Clippers probably would have matched up better with the Bucks. Not that the Suns aren't better than the Clippers, but just the size that Paul George and Kawhi bring to the table. I mean, this was a great series. I enjoyed it. But I think the Clippers would have had a chance to beat the Bucks in this series, too. Yeah. Also, the Mavs. I mean, the West is so loaded. You can probably name a lot of teams off. You can say the Jazz, but the Mavs, if another year of Luka, maybe like next year will be his MVP year. Another, and maybe they'll figure out this Porzingis situation. But like Luka is just too good not to have like playoff success and be in the conference finals at least. I think he'll, he'll be there in the next two to three years as well. I don't know. I think Luke will be watching Trey Young again in a conference final from the television. Great trade from the Hawks. Yeah. Make sure to get in Trey Young. Yeah. Luke, Luca, he'll get his time, but I think it's going to be a couple of years because the, the, the Mavericks have got to build around Luca and they've got to, they got to find another guard to play. So they definitely, I think of Dame Lillard, I don't know if it's possible, but if they could somehow get Lillard to the Mavericks and find a way to make this happen, that would be a championship contending team. They need some help at the guard position. <laughs> All right, now for everybody's favorite part of the show, the certified G of the day. Um, mine is simple. I'm going with Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Absolutely infectious performance. What a 
what a surprising guy to show up with 16 points in uh, close that game of the finals. His energy was infectious. It was important to them. And uh, wow, he's going to get paid this summer. I can tell you that much. All right. So my certified Jew of the day is definitely Giannis. I didn't think Rupo. Absolute, like I said, iconic performance. You can't really ask for more from your star player. He picked the spots perfectly. That third quarter, absolutely mental. His team was struggling. He saw that his team didn't make a shot. Absolutely took over. My certified Jew of the day is your final MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, guys, my certified G of the day is going to be the Milwaukee fan base. I'm telling you, none of this happens without Milwaukee's fan base. The fans were so loud. Obviously, the Suns felt it because if this game was played in Phoenix, they wouldn't have played with the same pressure. The fans made this game almost impossible uh, for the Suns to get a rhythm going, except for that second quarter, which we, we already talked about. But, yeah, that fan base, they deserve it. Those were the craziest fans I've ever seen in NBA history. Yeah, my certified G is uh, the blue-collar worker for the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> it is P.J. Tucker. Uh, averaged four points in these playoffs in 30 minutes, Minute. and I'm really happy for him. Fun fact, I really just said P.J. Tucker to flex this. He works out at the same gym I do. So, P.J. Tucker, my certified G. Congrats, big guy. Congrats on winning. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Super excited that we were able to cover the finals for you guys. We don't know exactly what we're going to do next, um, but we're going to try to figure out a way to create more podcasts and just talk about what we really want to talk about. Thank you so much for listening to us these finals. Have a great one.